You're listening to the Create More Good podcast, a place where we can explore the hidden gems among us and look at various ways to overcome some of the barriers in creating more good right where we are. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Create More Good podcast. I'm here today with a very special guest, Marsha, and she has a very inspiring and just heartwarming story of being able to come from, uh, you know, a very dark place and move into something that creates good in, you know, various different areas. Um, so without spoiling too much, Martha, uh, welcome to the show. And uh, why don't you introduce yourself to our guest? Well, thank you, David, and thank you for having me on your show. My name is Marsha Barth, and I am the author of the book, The Shattering, and um, you can learn more about me on MarshaBarth.com. That's M-A-R-S-H-A, Barth, B-A-R-T-H.com, and uh, visit my website. You can contact me there for any more information. Awesome. So... Marsha, your story is one that, you know, it's kind of like a, a silent predator in our day-to-day society and one that's very hard for a lot of people to talk about. Um, but the results for you, you were able to write a book and, you know, visit all these different places and share your story with them. Um, why don't you start with, you know, how you were able to go on that journey and some of the things you learned and how it got you to, you know, writing your book? Well, years ago, um, I was involved in doing conferences and retreats, and uh, I've done speaking on different causes. I, um, my husband says he could lock me in the closet, and trouble would still find me. So, uh, uh, and we've been married forty-one years. So, wow. uh, so I've always done a lot of speaking for causes uh, for the underdog. It seems to just be part of uh, who I am. And as I begin to speak about uh, healing and about how God can make a difference in your life, I found more and more that a lot of people shared my story. And my story was that I was sexually abused when I was four years old by my grandfather, um, when I was seven and eight and my mom and dad divorced, uh, as soon as they separated, my dad began to sexually abuse me till from the time I was about eight till I was 14 and old enough to stop him. Um, the effects of that, it, it just a few statistics. People don't like statistics, but they really bring it home. Every two minutes in America, there is a sexual assault. And, and I tell people it's estimated that there are 60 million survivors of just childhood sexual abuse and I tell people this is because they need to understand the devastation and the epidemic of childhood sexual abuse I just did a live interview on ABC Good uh, Good Day Pennsylvania and they were surprised also uh, at how many uh, children are abused. And it's funny, as bad as child abuse is, we do talk about that a lot more and a lot easier than we talk about child sexual abuse. Um, it's estimated that one in four girls are sexually abused and one in six boys. But we have to understand that those statistics alone are based on only a 40% report rate. 
which means 60% has never reported. So those those statistics are really skewed in that it's more like one in two and one in three. So when I talk to people, I find they do not like to talk about, about this topic. If you've been abused, you don't like to talk about it because you like to say, well, that was in the past and that doesn't affect me now. And if you've never been abused, you don't understand why the child doesn't speak up. And if you're the abuser, you minimize and deny and, uh, and you minimize it, you deny it. So these are the reasons really that I wrote the book because I really feel that the purpose of the book is to help those who've been abused to understand they're not alone and the feelings that when they read the book, it's from a, it's more from a child's perspective and it's written in novel form. Uh, what you'll read in the book is not just a story of victimization. You will read a story that is the power of love, the promise of hope, and the inspiration of knowing that what has happened to you does not define who you are. And that's the message I try to get out to people, that you have to understand that what's happened to you doesn't define who you are. And as I visit the prisons, which I've done for the last 10 years, mostly the people in prison have let what has happened in their life define them and make the choices that they are. Now, they, they deserve being in there. Don't get me wrong. I never excuse them, and we have an accountability for our choices. But it does help to let them know that they can have a life that's changed. Um, and I've talked to a lot of Christians, and they can have a life that's changed. We do not have to carry the pain and hurt. We do not have to carry the anger that ricochets from that pain and hurt. We can go from victim to victor. Mm, very powerful. And, you know, this brings a very important aspect that, I guess, in healing, we never really look at, you know, the emotional side to it and its importance in our day-to-day -day lives. Um, you know, especially with looking back and saying, you know, I'm trying to fix these things from the past and not realizing that um, in this action, we're really damaging our futures um, by not really paying attention, especially to, you know, our emotional health um, and how that affects us and how we interact with other people. Um, so going forward, you know, going from being, you know, victim to victor, uh, what were some of your biggest challenges on this journey? I think I have found that pretty much we all on this journey face a lot of these same things. That's why I kind of came up with a study, but just putting it in a, a abbreviated form a little bit. When we are hurt, or we experience pain, whether it's from domestic abuse, childhood abuse, whether it's just from life itself. Sokin is a good one. Um, when we have that hurt and pain, we have no choice over the hurt. We have no choice over the pain. If if you slam your finger in a car door, um, it will hurt, <laughs> and and it will bring pain. And you really don't have a choice of those two feelings that you feel. You will feel anger. Um, I've never seen anybody uh, hurt themselves or stub their toe, get their finger stuck in a door, or get hurt that they said, wow, that was really nice. I think I'll do that again. <laughs> you know, <laughs> usually right away it's like tie your tongue around your eye teeth and it hurts and you want to scream. And if there's anyone around, you want to take it out on them. And That's that so is kind true. of. It's kind of a normal reaction. It's the way we're made. So it's not a bad thing in itself. Um, 
anger was given to us by God as a flight to flee, to, that when we're in danger and, and we flee and when we get anger, you know, it helps us realize that we're in a situation that we need to, to do something about. So it's not a bad thing in itself. Where it becomes bad is we can't stop the hurt and we can't stop the pain and we can't stop the initial feeling of being angry. From those points, we are abused when we're hurt. We're, we're a victim when we feel pain. And from then, with the anger, we have to decide if we're going to survive. Now, it's a very sad statistic, too, that that are the highest cause of death in young people under 21 years old, the third, excuse me, the third leading cause of death in young people under 21 years old is suicide. And, and that troubles me. And I'm not saying that every person was sexually abused, but I'm saying there's definitely issues when a person at that age of vibrancy in life uh, gives up God's greatest gift. Right. So we decide from that point, we begin to decide right there, are we going to be a survivor or are we not going to be a survivor? From the survivor mode, then we go from overcomer to conqueror to victor to life, or we become Instead of going to overcome, we become a revenger, a retaliator, an abuser, and go to death. Now, when I say that, that doesn't mean that everyone ends up abusing someone else. A lot of time, the abuses turn inwardly, and the person doesn't abuse anyone else, but they do abuse themselves. They abuse themselves with drugs. They abuse themselves um, with trying to commit suicide, or they just... Uh, self-destruct from inside. So there's different ways of becoming an abuser. But if you don't heal, you will either go one or the other route. And where I find people get stuck, David, is with the anger. Initially, you can't help feeling that anger, but you do have a choice after that. If you want to live in that anger and use that as your tool of comfort, or if you want to give that anger up, and find another source of comfort for your hurt and pain. And and I did that uh, with God. I gave up the anger, and boy, I had the anger. Boys didn't know whether to date me or not because um, they didn't know if I'd beat them up. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, I'd like to date that girl, but I'm afraid if I make her mad, she'll beat me up. Um, you know, I had a, a cousin that uh, this boy picked on. He kept picking on him. And one day, and, I, and he was bigger than me, and I went up to him and I said, you leave him alone. And he made the mistake of saying, make me. <laughs> so I did. I beat him up and I drug him down the ditch. Actually, I drug him through a mud puddle. And, uh, he went on crying. But uh, that's just uh, an example of anger. But no, I had a lot of anger as I got older. And even when I gave my heart to God, you still wrestle with that anger. And if you don't deal with your hurt and pain, you can't heal. And if you don't deal and admit the anger that you're feeling in your heart, you can't continue on the healing journey because the next step is, is even harder. The next step is forgiveness or unforgiveness. And, gee, David, I could go into a whole teaching just on forgiveness. People won't forgive because they feel that by forgiving, they release the person from their accountability. Uh, the person is still accountable for what he did but you release him from the debt of what he did. And it sets you free. But you can't forgive people if you if you hold on to the anger. So you gotta deal with the anger, then you gotta deal with the forgiveness, 
And then you got to deal with, am I going to hurt or am I going to help? Am I going to be in control or am I going to surrender? And as she, it's a journey. And I have found that I can only walk that with God. He has been my source of good. He has been my source of loving me when I couldn't love myself. When I had so much fear and shame and guilt and blame. And that is what keeps the victim quiet. If people want to know why children don't speak up. It's, it's the fear and the shame and the guilt and the blame. But you know, I went to a little country church growing up. My mom and dad were not Christians. And uh, my three brothers and I would walk up this little dirt road and our little cocker spaniel would follow us. And it was like a Norman Rockwell painting. And we'd go into this little country church. And I found a God there that loved me. He didn't think I was dirty. He didn't think I was bad. He saw something in me that I did not see myself. And I began to know that this God loved me. He saw something valuable in me and something worthwhile of saving. And he became the thread of hope that got me through all the years. Because the abuse did continue even after I experienced that. But you can't heal. And people ask me, they say, well, Marty, what made you see all this? And I said, well, I said, people put it under the rug because they don't want to talk about it. And they say it's in the past. And they keep putting things under the rug. And then they trip over the rug. The, the rug gets lumpy. <laughs> you, so shove en- you shove enough dirt under the rug. Your house may look clean, but one of these days you're going to go walking through it. And you're going to think your little life is perfect. And you've got it. You're in that control mode, see. And I'm going to be in control and everything's going to be perfect. And it's not going to be like it was when I got hurt. No one's going to hurt me again. And one day you trip flat on your face and you go, wow, what happened? And you look down and there's a big lump in your life carpet. And people ask me, well, what did you do? And I said, well, one day God shook my carpet (laughs) and the dust went flying and that began the healing journey. Mm, That's powerful. I mean, once you experience, you know, the start of a healing journey, it tends to put things into a new light and you look for new ways in which you can, you know, create something that is better than the suffering that you went through. Um, and from this, you know, usually a few things stand out. Um, what would you say is the most important aspect of, you know, healing and creating more good to you? I think to me, first of all, the, the release of the pain and the hurt. Because the pain and the hurt, uh, it will destroy you. It's like a bullet inside your soul ricocheting around that just never quits bouncing around. So... The healing journey uh, of releasing that hurt and pain and the anger uh, and the unforgiveness, uh, you just feel like uh, you came up for air. You just feel like you're a whole new person, and you are. And as far as for others, the joy that it brings to my heart to be able to go to the prisons and to... uh, speak at conferences and retreats. And uh, I just spoke at a Pennsylvania uh, state event where the former governor's wife and congressmen and women are are there and spoke on the prevention of child sexual abuse and intervention into that. And to be able to bring this message that others can heal and to let them know, you'd be surprised people do not know that they can heal. It seems like a given, but they just 
go on for life and just think, well, and they don't understand how it impacts their relationship with their spouse, their relationship with their children, their relationship with their friends. And as I begin to see them receive that hope uh, and it rise in their heart and, and, and their life begin to change, the joy that it gives me uh, make, makes it all worthwhile. It, it, it really does. Mm, that's really good. It's it's funny how joy tends to enter our lives, you know, through some of the smallest and overlooked avenues of day-to-day life, um, and especially with healing. Um, you know, growing up for me, a lot of things that happened were I got picked on for whatever reason. Um, and, I, you know, as I grew and went through life, I found that, you know, people sometimes are people, um, and I may not be able to control how they behave, but... I can control how I respond and grow as an individual um, and you know working with other people to create more good in the world is definitely one way I found of dealing with that um, but it's not always easy it tends to be you know some days are much much better than others um, what aspects of staying positive have you struggled with the most I think if we're not careful um that pain and hurt can come back. There's triggers. Um, And anyone who's going through the healing journey or wants to start the healing journey, they're going to know exactly what I'm saying. I can, uh, I've dealt with this. The Lord has healed me from it. Uh, He's brought me forward into a whole new season of life. Uh, But I can be driving down the road and an old song come on and it can trigger, wow, it's just like uh, you're right back in that era. I can a smell. Uh, there's certain smells that I really can't stand to be around because they trigger emotionally uh, those things. But the thing is, is that now when they trigger those and, and those memories come up, um, there's a joy. There's a like, no, that's, that's not who I am. That, that never was who I was. Um, and you have a different perspective on it. And God, he quickens you and he quickens your heart. And he says, no, child, that that's not who you are. That's who people made you think that you were. But that's never who you were. And you find your identity in him. And um, you can become a different person, but you become the person that you were really meant to be. Um, and, and that's a great thing. And I think God wants that for every single one of us. None of us have arrived but he has a great journey. And if you're at the bottom of the, uh, the pile right now and you're listening and you think, not me, I can't get back up that ladder, you can. It's just you've always tried to do it yourself. Maybe it's time to take the hand of someone who can help you up that ladder. And he's just waiting for you to do that. So mm, This is true. And, you know, personally, I've even found that asking for help is not easy. Um but it is important that we do it. We weren't made to be uh, isolated creatures. Um, we were made to, you know, enjoy communities and do things that not only benefit, you know, ourselves, but to really push ourselves to do things that benefit others and live a life that's a bit more than, you know, just average. Um, 
So in writing this book, and, you know, a lot of people may say, oh, you know, I can't write a book, or um, my journey or experience is not that great for me to even share a story about, um, what advice would you give to them? I would say it's not about, I've always told people, it's not about writing the book, it's about the message of the book. And the message is, is that you can overcome. And whatever is the stumbling block in your life, you want to deal with that. You have to deal to heal to feel. And if you continue to put it under your under the rug of your heart, um, you can never heal that way. And you'll continue to struggle. So um, it's not about, it's about talking. Find someone that you can talk to, just someone, like whether it's a friend, uh, your mom, uh, a sister, find someone because the shield of silence and the dark secrets that we keep that are ricocheting in us and destroying us. I always say the greatest shield of defense that the enemy of our soul uses is the shield of silence. So break break the shield of silence. You don't have to go out and write a book about it. You don't have to do conferences about it. But you find someone to break that yoke off of you. And, and if you have no one, there's a God who will listen. Just remember that. So true. So true. So what are you working on now? Is there a second book in the works? Uh... There, there is. Uh, actually, it's finished, and it's going through the editing process. I'm hoping that I can get that one out soon. And it'll be uh, a continuation. It'll be uh, The Shattering, but this one will be called Finding Julie. This book will deal more on the confrontations that I had with my father uh, about, about these issues. And we had many, we went around that mountain many times. Um, and it was not, it was not an easy experience. It, the journey of healing isn't always easy, but it's the right path to take. And the first book deals more with dealing with abuse, but it's written with, uh, like I say, novel form, easy reading, a lot of stories that will make you laugh as as well as touch your heart so it's like I say it's not a victimization story it's a story again of that power of love and promise of hope the second book is going to give you a little bit more on how you can begin to confront your issues again it's a novel form it's enjoyable reading as far as um, I think it helps when people that are abused or don't understand abuse or are the abuser, when they read it in story form, it's not like someone's lecturing them. And I think they get the message a little better and a little quicker when they read it. So that that I hope will, it's in editing, and I'm hoping that will be coming out soon, David. Mm, I'm excited to, for that and, you know, wish you the best on that journey as a writer. Um, you know, the theme that really comes up is that, the power of the words that we speak and the power of the actions that we do, um, they have either, you know, really positive or negative effect on our lives. And many people don't really understand how that power works in touching, you know, each other's lives. Um, so if there's one thing that you would say now that you would recommend to a person, um, Look, going through a hard time or looking to kind of break beyond, you know, the bounds of maybe introversion to really create some good in, you know, their life. What is that one thing that you would recommend for them to do? Well, I don't think we can help others until we get ourselves straight. Not that we have to be 
perfected because we can be in the, the midst of a valley and help someone else. I, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying we have to deal with our issues and we need to overcome them. And I think, and not bury them and put them under, under the rug of our life. I think we need to rise above that. And I think so many people want that. I've never talked to one person that hasn't said, I want that, Marty. I really do. And uh, my friends call me Marty. But th they don't know how to do it, and they don't have the strength to do it. I often tell people, and I've spoke with at, at meetings with counselors and with advocates and with foster parents, and I try to tell them, I said, counselors... I believe in counselors, but counselors can help you deal with the issues, but and they can give you, but they can't heal you. And the counselors can give you the tools to deal with your issues, but only God can give you the strength to use those tools. And counselors can tell you to find your identity, but only God can give you that identity. So I would encourage people to reach out to God because He loves them, and they, and I know we hear that all the time, but people. They say that they know that God loves them, but they really don't have never felt his love. And I, I told the girls, I was at, at, in the prisons last night and uh, with, the, with the women, and I said, I tell you, once you feel his love, you will never be the same. Because it doesn't make up for all those that should have loved you or could have loved you and didn't love you. But it sure does fill the gap of that crying heart. So I would encourage them that there's a hope and to reach out and grab it. It's right there. Mm -hmm. that's, that's really powerful. And it is true. Um, the hope, it gives us faith. And faith, you know, even as small as a mustard seed, can move huge mountains outside of our life. And really enjoy, you know, talking with you, Marsha, and you sharing this with us. Um, and really, you know, having you on this show. Um, thank you so much. Well, thank you very much, David. I appreciate it, too. And if there's anyone hurting out there that wants to contact me, uh, they can contact me through, it's very simple, just marshabarth.com, and my website will come up, and uh, they can. there's a contact button there, and I'll be glad to help anybody in any way that I can. Awesome. And for anyone listening, uh, the link to Marsha's site will also be in our show notes, and we encourage you to check it out and share it with a friend. Uh, and once again, Marsha, thank you for being on the Create More Good podcast today. Thank you too, David. God bless you.